In the month, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to a sermon on prayer, Lord, I pray that you may teach us how to pray. You may motivate us to want to pray more. And Lord, as we leave here, we may, not, we may realize that prayer is not something that we have to do, but it's something that we get to do. And that's a real gift that we get to enter into your presence and we get to talk to you and experience you, that we can confess our sin to you, thank you for who you are, adore you, and also ask for help. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of prayer. And Lord, I, I pray that this talk may be a catalyst for many of us here to pray more um, this year. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Uh, my name is Joel. If I haven't met you, uh, I'd love to meet you afterwards over supper. If I haven't, uh, if you have a Bible, please give it open at Nehemiah chapter 1. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you like one, there's actually some Bibles on the welcome desk. You're more than welcome to grab one. That's our gift to you on the way out. Now, as Mark's already mentioned, uh, we're in this three-week series entitled uh, His Mission, Our Mission. And we specifically entitled the sermon series this way so that each of us may be asking the question, is God's mission our mission? Is God's mission our mission as a church, as a body, but also is God's mission our mission as individuals? Are we taking ownership of the mission of God, which is to make Christ, to know Christ, sorry, and to make Him known, or to make Him mature followers of Jesus? Now, to be honest with you, the, probably the greatest thing you can do to, I guess, own the mission is to pray, is to pray. Now, what we could do now is I can just go sit down and then we can just pray for the next half an hour. We could do that. But we're not going to do that because my guess is, and I'm guessing here, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of us struggle to pray. Like my guess is there's not many people here, if I ask you, how's your prayer life going? There's not many people here who are like, I'm killing it. Like, I'm, I'm content with my prayer life. I don't think I need to pray more. Like, I just feel like I spend time with the Lord. I'm okay with that job. We don't need to hear a talk on prayer at all. My guess is, is that actually a lot of us here struggle to pray and find it difficult to pray, which is why we're going to do a talk on prayer. Matter of fact, I'm going to do two talks, so to give you a heads up, I'm going to speak for a little bit from Nehemiah for about 15 minutes. Then we're going to have like a prayer lab. I don't know if you've ever been to university, but you have a lecture and a lab. We're going to have a prayer lab in between the two talks. And the second talk, I'll get a bit more practical about our own personal prayer lives and our prayer culture in 2018. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how to pray. Not so much why to pray, why we should pray. Uh, the reason why I'm not spending time as to why we should pray is because I think most of us know that we should pray. I mean, if, I mean, if you do believe that there is this being, this God, well, then it seems natural to want to talk to Him. Uh, I became a Christian when I was 17, and yet I basically prayed my whole life up until that point because I believed there was some sort of God out there. I think most of us know that we should pray, that there's a God and He listens to us, but how do we do that? And so to answer that question of how to pray, we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 1, and we're going to go to the Scriptures because the Scriptures teach us how to pray. As a matter of fact, the Scriptures give us, in other words, a prayer language. As most of you know, I have three children, and I have a newborn, uh, Lily, uh, who is seven weeks old. And I don't know if you know this about newborns, but when they arrive, uh, they don't come out speaking. I don't know if you realize this. So uh, they don't come out and say, hey, mom, hey, dad, how are you doing? What did you name me? Oh, really? I'm going to spell that my whole life. Like, you know, or like, I hope you don't, want, you don't like sleep because you're not going to get that for the next few months. Like, they don't come out talking. Uh, Mark, that didn't happen with Silas? No, I didn't think so. They didn't happen with Lily either. So I think my kid's okay. But what we do, though, is over months, over years, is you train your children how to speak. You train them how to speak. You give them a language. And so the scriptures give us a prayer language. They teach us how to pray. And that's why we're opening up Nehemiah chapter 1, one of my favorite prayers in the scriptures. But before we dig into Nehemiah chapter 1, I've got to make sure that we view the man, Nehemiah, correctly. We view him correctly. Because you see, when we come to men and women in the Bible, godly men and women in the Bible, we have a tendency to view them in a harmful way, not necessarily a helpful way. What do, you mean, what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is sometimes we can view people like Nehemiah, who, who was a godly man, and we can view him a little bit like how we view like Roger Federer, or like Michael Jordan, or like you know, one of the, the Williams sisters in tennis, or maybe like Mozart or Steve Jobs, these people who are just incredibly talented, like absolute freaks. People, if we're honest, that we could never, I guess, become. 
All right? Like, I don't know about you, I play basketball when I can, and, and you know, I think I'm Jordan, but I'm not, okay? And my guess is, is after the Australian Open, you went and played tennis, and you were trying to do that backhand like Federer, and you failed, okay? We, we want to be like them, but we, we, we think we can't, because they're, they're, they're freaks. They're extraordinary people. And so what happens is we can, we can view Federer's and people like that, and then we can come to the Bible, and we think, oh, Nehemiah, yeah, he's a godly man, but he's like Federer. He's like Jordan. I can never become like him. I can never pray the way he prays. But here's the thing, actually, Nehemiah is like us. He's an ordinary man. Actually, matter of fact, he loses it a bit and he shows his ordin- how he is ordinary at the end of Nehemiah. In chapter 12, when the Israelites actually start to intermarry with other nations, he, he loses the plot a little bit and he literally prays down curses upon the men and he beats some of them and he pulls out their hair. Um, now, so I'm clear, the Bible actually doesn't say any bad thing about that. So I don't know, as a pastor, if I can start doing that, I'm not too sure. But I think, I think it's not a good thing to do as a leader of God's people. You see, actually, all the men in the Bible, men and women in the Bible, sorry, they're just ordinary people. There's one extraordinary dude, God in the flesh. He's pretty cool. But everyone else is just ordinary people who have, are broken and in need of a saviour. And so, church, can I encourage you, if you're someone right now who's thinking, yeah, you know what, actually, my prayer life is not that great. Can I encourage you that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you can be like Nehemiah, that you can cultivate prayer habits this year, that you can be spending time with the Lord and praying for His people. And so let's keep that in mind as we look at Nehemiah's prayer. And let's do that right now. Let me read to us his prayer again, because I just think it's helpful. I'll start in verse 5 and go to the end of chapter uh, 1. Nehemiah, oh, actually, I'll start in verse 4. It says this, When I heard these things, that's Nehemiah, I sat down and wept, For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, and this is his prayer, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you are exiled people, are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Let's just chat through this prayer. and Let me just pull apart some things that are really helpful and that I really like about it, and, and maybe parts of this prayer that we can imitate in our own prayers. The first thing I want to pull apart is in response to a problem, Nehemiah prays. In response to a problem, Nehemiah prays. I don't know about you, but if you come to me with a problem, I'll give you about five solutions. It's just sort of the way I'm wired. I like solving problems. I always have. I was a civil engineer before a pastor, so I'm used to that mindset. And in many ways, it's helpful, although it just drives some people crazy. In particular, it drove my wife crazy in our first year of marriage because she came to me and she would just want to share how she's feeling. She'd just want me to pray for her and listen to her. And she, she, for example, she'd, give me, she'd say, Joel, I'm just not feeling connected to my best friend, Anna. Like, I think we might be fighting. I'm not too sure what's going on. 
She wanted to me to say, that's terrible, babe. Like, oh, that's really bad. Like, 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 can I pray for you? That's what she wanted me to say. Instead, I gave her like six solutions. And I gave her a cost-benefit analysis as, as to which one would work and be most effective of her time. Like, it's just sort of the way I'm wired. Now, it didn't help my marriage, especially for that first year. And I think a lot of us can be this way. Like, I'm going to generalize here, but I think men in particular can be this way. But so can women. And I think we do this because solving problems is really fun, but it also it makes you feel powerful. It makes you feel capable. It makes you feel, I guess, like you've got something to offer and helpful. And yet Nehemiah, in response to finding out how Jerusalem, which is his home city, God's city, which is 800 miles away, is in ruin, he doesn't respond to this problem with coming up with solutions. He doesn't think, where are the engineers? He doesn't think, you know, where is the nearest train station to get to Jerusalem? No, he prays. And respond to a problem, he prays. And we should do the same. But notice here as well, he doesn't just pray once, but instead he, he prays continuously, that he prays persistently. So I don't know if you noticed this, but in verse 4, he said, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed. Or in, in verse 6, he said, um, Open your, uh, him, sorry, your prayer of your servant who's praying before you day and night. And maybe you're thinking, well, he did that for a week, that's pretty good but actually he did that for longer than a week. If you look at the two different months, which are actually the, the Hebrew months, it's a bit confusing, but in chapter 1, it's re- what, what is referenced is the month of Kislev, when Nehemiah first heard the report about Jerusalem in ruins. And then in chapter 2, we hear about the month of Nisan, which is when he's going before the king. Now, the time period between those two months is actually four months. So what Nehemiah is doing day and night for four months is praying about God's city, praying about God's people. He's persistent in his prayers. How about us? How about us? I don't know about you, but too often you can say, hey, Joel, can you pray for this? And, and I might pray for you the next day or two, but then I can forget. What an encouragement and reminder to keep on persisting in prayer. But not only what's incredible is his persistence, but also what's incredible about and what I love about his prayer is his, I guess his devotion towards it and the emotion within it. Like, it's quite confronting. Like, when he hears about God's city being broken down, he sits down and he weeps. He mourns. He fasts and he prays. Physically, he gets down on his knees and begs of God to help. See, like, I wonder if you notice that, that he pleads with God. I felt really rebuked as I read this prayer. I wonder how, like, I don't, I don't plead with God, and it shows that I don't care about what I pray about. And yet Nehemiah does this. He pleads with God. He says, hey, God, may your ears be attentive. May your eyes be open. Listen to my prayers because I care about this. Church, I wonder if we pray about what we care about. Oh, sorry, I wonder if we care about what we pray about. Like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just go through the motions. I can just pray for those things. And I've got to just like, remind myself, hey, wait a minute. Do I care about this thing that I'm praying to God for? And look, can I let you in on a secret? Uh, it's not that big of a secret, but you know, anyway, I'll call it a secret. Um, people know when you care about the thing you're praying about. Like, have you ever noticed that? If you're, if you're praying with someone, be, be it in an open prayer or in a group prayer or one-on-one, like, you can just tell if the person actually cares or if they're just going through the motions. You can t- tell by their posture, you can tell by the, how the way they're speaking, their emotions. You can tell whether or not, for example, they message you later on that week or that day and say, how's this going? People know. And so church, may we be encouraged by Nehemiah to care about the things we pray about. But also, what's cool about Nehemiah here is he's got good theology. Like, he knows who he's praying to. Like, Mark read it out before, which is a, it's a great way, a great description of our God. In verse 5, Nehemiah says this, Lord, 
the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commands. It's quite simple, you know, it's not too artistic, but it's just like a great and awesome God. I don't know what service it was, if it was uh, 6 p.m. or 10.30 or 8.30, but a few weeks ago, I interviewed someone here, and after the person I was interviewing like, finished saying their things, I responded by saying the word unreal. Maybe you've heard me say that word. I say it a lot. And uh, Mark hit me up about that. He said, hey, do you know that you said unreal every single time? And I was like, oh, that's, that's a bit of an issue. Because by me saying that word over and over and over again, it sort of gets rid of the impact of that word and what it actually means. I wonder if you've ever done that with the word Awesome. You know, or you've heard someone else do that with the word awesome. Maybe I do this, you know, I'm like, that's an awesome cup of coffee. That's an awesome plant. I, I, don't, I don't know, like, I, I wonder if you do that as well. Yet the word awesome, as we all know, is meant to describe something that puts you in awe. And that's our God. That's our God. You see, our God is awesome. And Nehemiah knew this. You see, the reason why Nehemiah responds to problems with prayers, the reason why he prays persistently, the reason why he prays with such devotion is because he knows who he's praying to. He knows that his God is great and awesome and he can help. But also that our God is the one who's the most capable, the most powerful when it comes to helping us through different problems. But also that our God is holy. I'm guessing you picked up on here how Nehemiah confesses. He confesses his sins, the sin of his family, but also the sin of the fellow Israelites. My hope is as we pray, we confess our sin to God. But my guess is is that maybe many of us here don't confess the sins of others. When I read this the first time, it blew me away because I remember thinking, what? Like, Nehemiah doesn't just pray for his own sins and ask for God to forgive him, but he prays for the sin of his family, for the sin of his nation. Like, I find it hard enough it is just to pray for my own sins. And I think everyone else can deal with their own And yet, by doing this, Nehemiah demonstrates how he understands God's grace, how he understands the gospel. Because see, Nehemiah, he understood that he was a sinner who was being graciously forgiven by his God. He knew that he wasn't earning his salvation, but it was being given to him by a gracious God. And so for that reason, he prays for other people and he prays that they may be forgiven as well. He prays on their behalf. He intercedes on their behalf because he wants them to be saved as well. He wants them to be forgiven church may we do the same may we pray for our roommates may we pray for those in our home group may we pray for those in our neighborhoods for our family our spouse and our kids may we confess their sins on their behalf and plead with god to forgive them just like christ remember how he said father forgive them they do not know what they do and we seek to do the same thing and why do we do this well because this is praying in line with god's will this is what god wants us to do I wonder if you picked up on verse 8, how Nehemiah says this. He says, remember to God, right, the instruction you gave your servant Moses. Now, God wasn't in heaven going, remember. Yeah, I totally forgot what I said to Moses there in Deuteronomy. No, yeah, I completely forgot that. Thanks, Nehemiah, for reminding me, right? That's not happening. But instead, what's going on here is Nehemiah is saying, hey, God, remember what you've promised to us. Remember, this is what you want. And, I'm, and I know this too. And I want to pray in line with your will. I want what you want. And so in that whole section there, what Nehemiah is basically doing, he's not trying to remind God because he's forgotten. He's just trying to pull apart Scripture and say, God, this is what you want and this is what I want too. Please be with your people, your exiles, and bring them home. You see, church, as we pray, we've got to pray in line with God's will. We've got to learn what God wants and then pray for that. 
Let me give you an illustration to help you understand this. As we all know, I have two boys and a little girl now. And uh, if you know anything about kids, if you've been around kids, not just my kids, any children are like this, by the way, uh, you'll learn that they ask for things. Uh, it's just what they do. Uh, they ask for things as soon as they wake up, right? They wake up in the morning and they, my kids are like, hey, dad, can I have some chocolate? Hey, hey, dad, you know, can I watch TV? Hey, dad, can I play on your phone? Hey, dad, can I go outside naked? Hey, dad, can I have you up and go? Like, it just goes on and on and on. It's a long list. And because I love my kids, believe it or not, I say no. I say no. Not because I'm a bad dad, because I'm a good dad, hopefully. That's what I think. But let me, let me flip that example. Imagine if my kids, and I woke up in the morning, imagine if my kids came to me and they said, hey, dad, can we just have a healthy breakfast? Like, can we just get dressed? Hey, hey, Dad, can we just go sit on the couch and read a book quietly? Do you think I'd say no? <laughs> I'm like, yes! See, I think when it comes to prayer, a lot of us are discouraged because we've had a lot of prayers over the years that haven't been answered. And some of them don't make sense. Some of them we're praying and we think God wants these things, but other times we pray for things and maybe God's saying, not yet, maybe later. But sometimes just, we're not praying love of His will. We're praying for things that he's like, hey, do you really care about this? Why don't you care about your lost friends or your family or your holiness? And so church, let's aim to do that as well. Let's aim to be like Nehemiah and let's pray for God's mission. Let's pray for what God is on about. And let's do that right now. Like I said before, we're going to have a lab, so to speak now. We're going to have a time to pray. And so what we're going to do for the next five minutes is I want you to turn to the people around you and I want you to try and pray similar to Nehemiah. All right? I want you to, to pray, confessing the sin of, of our city, of our families. I want to pray and beg with God that He will save and that He'll work through us and that we'll praise our great and awesome God. And then after about a few minutes, Lily is going to come up for us and she's going to pray on our behalf and then I'll come and do part two of the sermon. So let's get to work. Turn to the person next to you and get praying. Let's get on to part two. Uh, in this section, I'm going to talk about uh, our own personal prayer life for 2018, as well as the prayer culture here at WBC, uh, so you're aware. Uh, and the reason why I want to do this is because, I, like I said before, that there's some people here who I know are prayer warriors. Uh, I was praying with Napoleon and reminded of how much I'm encouraged by him whenever we have a prayer meeting. He's there with gusto, and I love it. Uh, but there's many of us here who, unfortunately, can find prayer a bit difficult. And so maybe when you hear the quote, maybe you've heard this one, how Martin Luther was really busy, so he'd spent three hours a day praying to the Lord. Maybe you hear that and you're not encouraged to go pray the next day for three hours. But maybe you hear that and you're like, three hours? Like, I struggle for five minutes. And that's okay. But either way, I want us, no matter if you're already praying three hours a day or praying for five minutes or not at all, let's try and make a resolution this year to want to improve our prayer life and time with the Lord personally. And so let me go through Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 to 5 briefly, and then let me chat through a few things to help us do this. So let me read Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. It says this, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King, let's call him A, because his name's ridiculous, um, when, nine, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? Now, he knows he's not ill because he's like a cupbearer, like he tastes his wine all the time. You don't let someone taste your wine if they're sick. He knows that, okay? Um, so he says this, this can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Get this. Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. 
If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so I can rebuild it. You see, in Nehemiah chapter 1 and in Nehemiah chapter 2, you get, I guess, two different types of prayers here. You firstly see a big block of prayer, probably if you've been in church for a little while, something we call like a quiet time with the Lord, which I think is a bad, like a bad description. Sounds like a timeout that I give my children. But anyway, maybe you've heard of that, that. You spend a quiet time with the Lord, a devotional time with the Lord, a block of time praying. You see that in Nehemiah 1. But then in Nehemiah chapter 2, you also see like these quick, like rapid fire prayers. Like, like you see Nehemiah, he's at work. Like he's at work next to the king. He's giving him wine. And the king asks what's going on. And he doesn't pray out loud. He doesn't pray for a long period of time in front of the king. No, most likely he prays in his head. God, please give me wisdom as I speak to this king. He he does a quick, rapid-fire prayer. And it's important you understand that when it comes to uh, having a relationship with God, you need these two different types of prayers. You need to have the time alone with the Lord where you're going through and chatting through a lot of different things that are on your heart. But then also throughout the day, as different problems occur, you want to be praying to the Lord real quickly as well. And, And both of these two different types of prayers are really helpful and they're also related to each other. Let me give an example as to how this looks um, hypothetically, say in the workplace um, or at university, there, there's someone that is just really getting in your nerves, someone that you just find really difficult to love and, and to, I guess, be alongside. Um, I have someone like that. He's called Mark Roberts. Um, maybe you have someone like that. And so at the start of the day, you're, you're praying to the Lord. And you're like, Lord, please give me patience with this man please, or this woman. Please help me to the best job I can to love them like Christ loves me. And then when that person comes to you, you know, and says something that really frustrates you, you can just do a quick rapid-fire prayer, like, God, please give me patience, I'm going to hold my tongue. You see, both of these two things are needed in our prayer lives. And I wonder how we're going with both of them. I wonder how we're going with that bigger block of prayer and how we're going with those rapid-fire prayers. My guess is, now I could be wrong here, I'm guessing where you're at, my guess is that most of us find the rapid-fire prayers a bit, qu- a bit easier. Maybe, maybe we do that a bit more frequent. Maybe we're used to that. Uh, maybe we can quickly pray for other people. If we're sick or stressed, we, we pray to God. But these bigger blocks of prayer, these quiet times, so to speak, these prayers like Nehemiah's prayer in chapter 1, we find it a bit more difficult to get a habit of in our life and to cultivate that in our walks. And so because I don't have lots of time, I want to talk through how can we work on that this year? And I say we, not, not just you, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I want to improve my walk with the Lord and prayer life as well. And so how do we do this? Well, I think the first tip uh, for you and for me is to schedule prayer, is to schedule it. It's to put it in your diary, put it in your calendar, whatever it may be, but have a time in your week or in your day when you're going to spend time with the Lord praying. It could be, for example, when you, as soon as you wake up in the morning. It could be as you're traveling to work or to university. It could be as you just open up your emails and start your day and pray through your calendar and your appointments and different things. It could be during morning tea. It could be during smoker, whatever it's called, during lunch break, afternoon tea. When you get home, you get the point. Schedule it in. Try and get a habit, a routine, a time in the day when you go, all right, I'm going to spend some time praying to my good God. Schedule pray, prayer. But on top of scheduling it, well, actually, before I get to the next point, let me, let me point out why that's really important. And the reason why that's important is because if you have a spare hour in your day, let's say a uni lecture is cancelled or you get to go home from work you know, an hour early, well, let's be honest, you're probably not going to spend that hour praying. You're probably going to call someone, watch Netflix, go on the internet, go on Facebook. You're going to waste that time some other way. And so if you have this philosophy, oh, I just pray whenever I have time, you won't pray. And so let's, let's schedule prayer. First tip. Second tip is let's be realistic about what you schedule, okay? 
Now, for some of you here, maybe you might be able to do those three hours a day at 4 a.m. in the morning, wake up and spend time with the Lord. Maybe that's you. That's not me, but maybe that's you. But I want to be honest with you that if you're not currently doing that, maybe don't aim for that tomorrow. Like, like maybe aim for five minutes or 10 minutes in the morning or a certain time, but, but aim small and try and cultivate that in your life and don't try and do this three hours. In other words, don't try and be like Luther or to go back to the other analogy, don't try and think you're like Jordan or Federer, that you can just do these freakish things immediately. Like it takes time to cultivate these things. So be realistic. But also finally have a plan. Have a plan. Maybe you might want to pray through the Psalms. Maybe you want to buy a book on prayer. Um, we've sold out, but Tim Keller's got a, a great, which we were, selling, we were selling a book called Prayer by Tim Keller. We can order it for you, but we sold out this morning. But maybe you get his book and just read through that for this year. And he's got some helpful um, uh, ways or tips on how to pray at the end of that book. Maybe you can just devote your time to actually going through a book on prayer. Or maybe you could read through the Psalms or pray through Paul's prayers or just pray through the prayers in the Scriptures or, or come up with a prayer diary or prayer list, whatever it may be, but have a plan. So it's usually helpful for most of us. Like I said, this year, I really wanted to work on my prayer life. So I felt like it just, I wasn't content with it. And so I created my own little resource. It's almost like a prayer journal sort of thing. It has headings, which are pretty simple, like my family, my friends, things I need to confess or thank God for, uh, other prayer points or my home group, my church. And uh, I've been filling this in. And it's just been a helpful resource for me that I keep it with my Bible. Have a plan. I've actually printed off some of these here. They're out in the foyer when you go home. Feel free to pick one up. Um, look, I'm not offended if you don't, but it's there for you. I also created one for my kids. It's a bit it's more simple, and I've been doing that with my kids. And they're really excited because now we're in February. We're on a new page, and we go through different things. And you know, we pray, what can we thank God for? You know, what, what can we, um, how can we pray for His help? What are sins that we need to say sorry for? Although, to be honest with you, that's not going too well because the sorry section seems to be a time where they just remind each other of what they've done throughout the day. Like, you hit me, remember? You should say sorry. But anyway, I'm trying to do that because I want to teach my boys how to pray. Have a plan. Have a plan. And be, to, be determined this year to want to improve your prayer life with the Lord and spend more time with Him. May we do that. That's personal prayer. Let's talk about prayer culture uh, here at WBC for the year ahead. Um, I want to be honest with you, I've been here two years, and, and I think our prayer culture is okay. I don't think it's rubbish, but I think it's okay, but I also don't think it's brilliant. Like, like I, I, if I'm honest, I'm your pastor, so I take responsibility for that, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't hear anyone, like, we don't get any requests from other churches saying, hey, WBC just prays heaps. So you guys are just prayer warriors, that you just motivate your people to pray all the time, hearing great things. What can we learn from you? We don't get those sort of phone calls, um, and I think it's probably because our prayer culture maybe needs to improve. And maybe I'm wrong, maybe like, Joel, no, you're wrong, but I'll give you some tangible bit of proof. Uh, we, last year and for many years, have had prayer and praise nights, which we do four times a year. This year, as the uh, eldership had decided that we're actually going to put that on hold for this year, because we just didn't get that many, much ownership, much attendance towards it. Um, that could be for many reasons, but maybe it could be for the fact that we don't value prayer. I'm not too sure. So I think we need to work on prayer as a church, not just me as an individual or you as an individual. So how do we do this? Well, as a leadership team and as pastors, we've got a, f a few ideas. Let me show you a few quick ones to help us try and devote our time to the Lord this year and to focus on prayer. The first one is, Mark mentioned to you a Connect card before, if you knew a visiting, fill it in. Uh, but also, uh, I've created this prayer card, which is also on the welcome desk, so that if you have some prayers 
that you want the eldership to be praying for, you can write it down on this prayer card, put it in the letterbox, and we'll be praying for you. I encourage you actually also to get in the home group where you can be praying with people all the time. But this is another resource to show you guys that we're praying for you. And if you have prayer requests, please write it down and put it in and we'll pray for you. That's the first thing. Secondly, starting next week, we're actually going to, as a church, at 6 p.m. in particular, we're going to start having monthly prayer meetings at 5 5 p.m. on the first Sunday of every month. Okay, now next Sunday is actually the second Sunday, uh, if you didn't pick that up, and today's the first Sunday, but I, I wanted to talk about this before we just did it. And so next Sunday, we're going to be the first time we do it, five o'clock in the library, and we're going to pray. I'd love for you to come along. And we're going to do that, like I said, the first Sunday of every month. I'd love to see many of us there spending time with the Lord and praying for our church and our city. And the final thing is this, when it comes to as a, a new thing we're trying to do, is you probably heard of what we call our quarterly members meetings. It's quite a dry name, I know, hoping to change it. Um, but this year, by scrapping on, or just putting aside the prayer and praise nights, we're going to try and focus on making those quarterly meetings really helpful and really fruitful for our church. And so what actually our vision is, is for the first one on February the 28th, is that we pack out this auditorium with people from all services, 8.30, p.m., Chinese, Burmese, whatever we have, and that we spend time praising God and praying to Him. And so I'd love you to put that in your diary as well, February the 28th, which would be an all-in prayer and praise night to kick off the year. And so that's what the leadership is trying to do to help us, I guess, improve our culture of prayer here at church. But what can you do to also help that? Well, you can pray. You can pray on the way to church as you're driving the car. You can pray for the servants who are serving you faithfully tonight to try and encourage you in your walk. You can pray as you walk in the doors and pray and ask, God, God, who do you want me to talk to? Who do you want me to sit next to? You can pray as you sit in the pews right now that God may speak through me or the preacher or whoever's up here and that we may do our best job to make Jesus look awesome and so people's hearts may be stirred to love and worship Him. You can pray. You can pray. And may I encourage you to do so because without such prayers, man, we're going to fall apart. Last Sunday, I was really encouraged at our 10.30 and 6 p.m. service. And I remember going home and just being like, man, I love my church. I just was really thankful for last Sunday. I just felt like things went smooth. I just felt encouraged. I think like the music went well. Everyone served well. There was no no hiccups or anything. And when I reflect back on that, I think I know why. Because I remember at 10.20, I know you guys don't go to morning service, it's normally at 10.30, but 10.20, I saw Lily and another guy called John Heck praying for the service. And just praying similar prayers to what Lily just prayed just then. That our service may go well. That people may come to hear the gospel. But we also do that at 5.45 every week here on a Sunday as we pray as a team that God may be working through us. And so church, may we pray because God answers those prayers. He answers those prayers so there's no hiccups on Sundays, but he also answers those prayers so people may be saved. You know, I can see people in this room who have come to faith in Jesus Christ over the last year and a bit and answered prayers, through answered prayers. We've seen that through when we run Discover courses and different things. And so church, may we never forget that our God is listening, that our God is active and he's there and he wants to hear our prayers. And so may we pray. One of the books that we are selling, which is on leadership, um, but... uh, primarily, that there is a chapter on, on prayer. The book is called Wisdom and Leadership. And the chapter on prayer, um, this guy says this, is really helpful. He says, when it comes to prayer, it seems to be the last thing that we do and the first thing we give up. Last thing we do and the first thing we give up. And it should be the reverse. Prayer in our life should be the first thing we do and the last thing that we give up. And so church, can I encourage you, can I encourage me that this year that we seek to pray like Nehemiah, 
that we pray just like he did, that we, in response to problems, we pray, that we pray with persistence, that we pray with devotion and emotion, that we pray knowing who our glorious God is, that we may confess our sin and that of our church and our city. May we do our best to cultivate new habits in our walks this year, but also to try and improve our prayer culture here at church. Why? It's not because we get to, it's not because we have to, sorry, but it's because we get to. I hope you understand that about prayer. You see, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus' last prayer uh, before he died on, on the cross was actually, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the only prayer that I'm aware of where he doesn't call God his father. Because what's going on there at the cross, as you know hopefully all too well, is at the cross, Jesus' perfect relationship with his father is broken as he absorbs the wrath of God for our sin and our rebellion so that we may inherit Jesus' righteousness, so that instead of being enemies with God, we can be His children and be in a relationship with Him and call Him our Father as well. So we may pray to Him. What a gift. What a gift. May we never forget that, church, and the access we have because of Christ Jesus. Let me pray to end. Father God, we thank You so much for what Christ did at the cross to reconcile us to You so that we can come before you in prayer. We thank you so much that you are a God who loves us and that is made evident at the cross. We thank you so much that you are a God who listens to our prayers and that you desire us to talk to you for big chunks of time in our day or for just quick, short, rifled prayers. Lord, I pray for each of us here tonight that you may encourage us in our walks of you and our prayer lives. Help us to pray more. Remind us of the gift it is. Help us to persevere in our prayers. Help us to care about the things we pray about and remind us who you are and how great and glorious and awesome you are. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.